come with me, we're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. I am Matt. And I... I'm Kimbra. And we are here one week removed from our vacation to the Florida Keys, here to talk about a really cool topic, which we will get into in just a little bit. But first, we got an email from one of our favorite listeners, Andrew. So I just want to throw out there real quick. I'm actually still mentally in the Keys. Like this whole week, I was obviously at work and stuff, but my brain was still diving. Did you ever stop feeling like you were on the boat? Like you were feeling like you I were did. still going it, up and down? I think it took four days. Wow. Yeah. Like it's my been the, four days since I felt like I was on a boat going up and down. Like Monday, I was sitting there looking at my computer and I had to stop a few times because it made me feel really dizzy. Huh. I know we were we were uh, looking for the through the footage for our first video. By the way, we have started releasing our videos on the vlog Fantastic Studios over on the YouTubes. Go check it out. Give us a thumbs up if you enjoy it. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Anyway, we were, we're going through the snorkeling footage from the Lagoon, Cannon Beach, and we both got like seasick, motion sickness from watching it because it was <laughs> now don't worry. You're like, you just told me to go watch this video and now you're telling me it's going to make me sick to my stomach? What's wrong with you? No, it won't because... It, it got us because we had a lot of footage to go through. We only put a few minutes in this video, and it's very stable footage. But it was just so wavy that it just made us a little irpy. Plus, we were watching a lot of it for a long time, like hours of footage, people, hours of footage. And we're, like, super honed in, focused, because we're, like, didn't want to miss that whatever. You'll have to watch the video and see that we saw. Or you may have listened to it. Anyway... That's that's all I got to say about it. Anyways, that. Andrew's email. Yes. Um titled Trumpet Fish. Trumpet Fish. That was our cruise creature last week, the <laughs> Trumpet <laughs> Fish. Anyways, <laughs> can't wait to see your video of the Trumpet Fish. We've always loved them since seeing them on our cruise in Barbados and San Lucia. Is that what it is? St. Lucia? St. Lucia? St. Lucia. In those locations, we saw a lot of yellow and blue ones as opposed to the brown ones we see most other places. Is the color unique to regions or are they more rare or found other places as well? I attached a picture we took, but I'll have to dig up some more. So it's a it's a trumpet fish that's yellowish. Right. So this was a great question, Andrew. Thank you for asking. Andrew, by the way, Andrew and Mallory are patrons. Um, if you're interested in joining our Patreon, you can go to our Patreon page. Look for the link in the show notes. And uh, also, while I'm while I'm doing the little, you know, self-promotion thing here for us, uh, go over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star or however many stars you think five. we deserve. Uh, review and also some words. And that helps us out a lot. We've been getting a few of those here and there. And they, you know, they generally just make us feel good. So, uh, and also they help the podcast along. Anyway... 
Uh, this is a great question from Andrew because I did not immediately know the answer to this question. I suspected I knew the answer and I kind of did, but I wasn't sure. So I had to go do a little bit of research and that's always fun for me. It's like fish detective work. And uh, it turns out there are three species of trumpet fish, but only one species actually occurs throughout the Caribbean, Florida and the Caribbean, just one. The others are very, very far removed. And it goes by the common name of trumpet fish. The others have added words that go along with it. The uh, scientific name, which I was desperately trying to make sure I would pronounce correctly, and I, I don't really know if I am, is Olostomus maculatus, or maculatus, I don't know. Anyway, that's it. So here's your answer, Andrew. It It is actually the same species. The color, from what I could ascertain from my research, is not dependent on the region, but on the hunting behavior that is taking place at the time. So these fish, like many fish, have the ability to greatly change their color, their pattern to some degree. And in the case of the trumpet fish, depending on where they are hunting, they will alter their color to blend in. So blue may help them if there are more open waters, uh, yellow if they're around a lot of certain species of corals or sponges and they're hunting in that. What, what they like to do is they like to blend in with schools of fish so that the small little fish don't notice them until it's too late because they are ambush predators. So uh, yellow and blue would be really cool. The most common colors that people see them are like the brown colors, which is what I've normally seen. I believe I have seen yellow ones as well. Can't remember where, though. I have to look through my old footage and see if I can find any captured on video or film. Film. Yeah, like that's a thing. Anyway, thank you for the question, Andrew. Great question. I always like it when I have to do a little bit of research and I learn new things right along with you guys. And then I can pass that information along. So there you go. The trumpet fish. Cool. Yeah. All right, what else we got? Any other news? I don't think we have any other news to talk about, do we? Um, I mean, we're going to be editing videos this weekend, so Hopefully. I know you, I know you mentioned that the vlogs are starting, but we've got a lot of work ahead of us. We do, yeah, because we have a lot of underwater footage to go through, and, and uh, you know, not all of it is stuff that you guys are going to want to watch because it's, you know, sometimes it's us putting our gear together underwater or you know, there's nothing that we see for a few minutes so we want to really just bring you the highlights maybe we'll do some sort of we, we always say this and then we usually don't do it maybe we'll do some sort of combined actual full dive videos later on down the road we'll see we'll see i don't know if how beneficial those are but we will be bringing you a lot of underwater footage we've got one more video the next one that comes out after the ones that have released at the time of recording We'll be in the lagoon again, so it's kind of greenish water, shallow water. But uh, after that, we have seven dives. We only recorded on six of them, though. Six dives worth of footage. And that, a snorkel trip. And a snorkel. That's right. So that's seven experiences that we're going to be sharing with you guys, underwater footage. And uh, th those will be spread out over probably five or so more vlogs. I don't know how many it's going to end up being. It depends on how long the footage goes. But I can tell you, spoiler alert, 
and maybe you got this from last week if you listened to last week, we saw some cool stuff. Some of it we probably didn't even mention. So we've got a lot of great footage and also other footage from our trip. So regular vlog stuff as well as all the underwater goodies. So definitely go out, subscribe to that channel, Fantastic Studios, over on YouTube, and make sure to leave a comment so we know that you watched it. Sounds good. Yeah. And what are we talking about today? We're talking about cruising. I know. You guys are like, finally. I thought this was a cruising podcast. You never talk about cruising anymore. Why don't you ever talk about cruising anymore? Obviously, you know, the world is in a weird state right now. And uh, cruising isn't happening. So it's hard for us to come up with cruising topics. But this week, we've got a good one. Because we are basically able to compare the advantages of a land-based location. And I'm going to put air quotes up there because... There's a, there's a lot of different types of land-based vacations, so we'll kind of define that a little bit, versus the advantages of cruising vacations, which is also, there's some flexibility there. So uh, we're going to be speaking within limited models of those, but we really put a lot of thought and research into this topic, and I think we came up with some really interesting insight as to, we're, we're not going to like really pick on one or the other, It's this isn't about like, Cruising is better than land-based vacations, but it is about there are definite advantages and disadvantages to each of these forms of travel, and we really want to highlight what those are, uh, and then we'll tell you, you know, which one you should do from now on. No, we won't. We won't do. Yes, that. we will. We will, and we'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> so first, uh, let's let's just break that caveat down and say um, we are generally speaking of. Your average cruise doesn't have to be in the Caribbean, but look, that's where we've cruised. That's where our experience is. That's what we're really pulling from mostly is Caribbean cruises. Uh, obviously, there's some variability on which line you go and where your destination is. But in general, I think we were able to kind of keep that all in the same relative ballpark. But, you know, if you're listening out there and we make a statement, you're like, no, that's not the way it is on this cruise line or this land. We get it. We get it. It's but we're just do We're talking in in generalities here. So as far as the land based vacations go, we mostly were thinking of United States vacations. So within the continental United States, however, a lot of these things do apply if you were to travel to say, you know, one destination, maybe in the Caribbean, maybe Mexico, uh, something like that. I think, I think a lot of these do apply to that, but, um, again, there's a lot of variability. Like, are you going to Las Vegas? Are you going to the mountains in Tennessee? Are you going to Key West? I mean, those are all very, very different things. Whereas with cruises, there's not as much variability in general as there is with land-based vacations. Yeah, but we we took we took a lot of this, the land-based, from the vacation we just took in the Keys. So a lot of the things that we're probably going to talk about are going to be very specific to what we just experienced. Right, but we'll we will try and and uh, we'll try and kind of think about it from other perspectives, not yeah. just a dive trip. Cause we realize that a lot of our listeners, most of our listeners are probably not 
going on dive trips. I hope that most of them enjoy scuba diving because we spend a lot of time talking about it. But uh, obviously, we want to include everybody in this discussion. So we uh, we were thinking about other things. But anyway, we'll get into that. Here's what we did. Uh, basically, we narrowed it down to some general, uh, I guess, What's the word I'm looking for here? Categories? Categories. Like a hurricane? Categories. <laughs> Luckily, there's none of those right now hitting the United States. Um, and, and then we kind of got into more details on that. So uh, here are the categories that, that you will hear us go over. There's the cost of the trip. There are additional costs. There is the planning of the trip. There are activities. And we'll explain what all these mean as we go into these in detail. Flexibility. Comfort versus stress really it's more about what's comfortable and then we we're going to go for an overall experience and kind of give you our our final thoughts so let's start with the cost of the trip um, let's start with cruising what are some of the things to think about when you're considering the cost of a cruise so there is of course the the cost of the cruise the cruise cost is Probably your biggest expenditure. So you're saying the cruise cost, the cost of the cruise is what the cost is of the cruise. So when you cruise, there's a cost, and that's the first thing to, to think about. Yes. Okay. I got it. Got it. Okay. What else? Um, and then you have to think about your transportation to the port. So right. whether it's flying or driving walking. or walking, <laughs> skipping, Taxi. swimming, I mean, Uber. For, for us, this is a little different because we don't generally have to fly or anything to get to a cruise we're going to drive and it's probably not that far but um we realize we understand that that's not really the scenario that most people have so so that's something to consider is uh your the cost of the trip is how much does it cost to fly how much does it cost to drive to the port what else um and then we have hotels so that's like before or after the cruise you'll probably need to stay somewhere depending on where you're leaving from right. um for us when we left out of tampa we obviously didn't need that but Just drove to work it is it is something that should be thought about yeah when we go to the abc's next year we will be sailing out of miami so we're gonna we're gonna have to drive down okay so there's gas to think about and uh we're gonna have to drive down like the like the day before and we're gonna get a hotel room because we're not gonna try and make a five hour trip the day of the cruise. Cause that's crazy. And uh, so that's a cost. The hotel is a cost. And then, and then we will have a car. So if you're flying somewhere, you may not have this expense, but for us, we will have to pay for parking. parking. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and, and that's the, so those are, that's it really. Those are the, that's the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to the cost of your cruise. Now, Obviously, there are additional things you can pay for on a cruise, but there's nothing else that you have to pay for. I feel that you could just pay those expenses for your cruise. And by cruise costs, we're including taxes and tips and stuff, okay? But if you pay for those things, you could have a great vacation. You don't have to buy anything else if you don't want to. Now, realistically, most people will, but you also often get things like cruise credits, especially if you go through a travel agent like Kimbra, uh, and then you can maybe get some extra perks that will go into an additional cost that are kind of included in your uh, initial cruise 
fair. I think that's fair to say. Fantastic travel at gmail.com. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Just had to plug that. Sorry. Yes. Right now she is just working on the cruising aspect of travel agency, but you know, um, eventually we'll try and expand that. So yeah, let us know. Anyway, uh, let's talk about land vacations. What's the cost of the trip on a land vacation? So your transportation to the location. So that could be the same depending on where you're going. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, because it depends on, like if you're in the Carolinas, you may be able to drive someplace where if you're cruising, you'd have to fly. So that there's, you know, again, a lot of this is dependent on that, but that cost is, is there. I feel like that is similar in both such situations. What else we got? Um, basic transportation around that location. So whether it's gas to drive wherever you need to go there or taxi, Uber, basically however you're getting around that location, you need the cost of that. Right. So for example, we went to St. Augustine last October? Was it October? It was. It was for my birthday. It was for your birthday, right. So we were really able to park and just walk, take the tram or, or walk everywhere. But the tram would have cost us money had we not had a, a way to get that for free. But, yeah, you, you may have to drive around. You may have to take public transportation. Like, that's another potential cost for a land-based vacation. What else? Um, hotel for the entire trip. So it's not just before or after, but of course you need somewhere to stay the whole time you're there. And that is probably going to be more expensive than the cruise cost, which the cruise cost encompasses your quote unquote hotel, because that is your, you're paying for your cabin with that cruise cost. Your hotel is treated as a separate article when you're doing a land vacation. So that cost of that hotel in my experience is almost always going to be higher than the cost the day the day-to-day breakdown of the whole cruise cost well sort of as a per person price maybe not because let's say a hotel is a hundred dollars a night and Good you finding that well, okay, let's say <laughs> let's say it's $200 a night. Okay, or 100, 150 We can split the... Yeah, but it's easier to do math okay. if I say 200 That That's fair. Um, And you stay for four nights. That's $800. That's not more than the cost of a four-night cruise. It could be. It could be. Depending Dep- on where you're going. That's true. Okay. I mean, it depends on which cruise you're on, too. That's not more than the cost of a Disney cruise. Right. You know, but, uh, again, this is where there's, you know, we're not going to be able to compare apples to apples here because it's we're not eating apples but uh and apples expensive anyway even though i love my ipad but anyway uh yeah so the hotel is go- it's going to be a little more costly most likely of course you get what you pay for in most situations and then it could be different like you might get an amazing deal in like las vegas i don't you know um that might be different because they're set up differently anyway that's another cost so what what right. else and then food yeah. So we say food because you have to eat. Um, yeah, we, we thought about including a couple other things here, but generally speaking, food is something that you need. The other things are not something that you need. Right. You have to have food or you will die. Yeah. So it, it's that's something that's included with the cruise. Um, it's not something that's included with land-based trips. And I think if you add in that food cost, 
because typically places where we go on vacation don't have a lot of really inexpensive food. And if it is inexpensive, it's probably McDonald's. Right. And that's even that's not all that inexpensive. So when you if you combine the food and hotel price together, you're probably you're probably going to be and you're probably spending more than you are on a cruise. Now, again, if you're on a celebrity cruise, obviously that price goes up significantly. But if you're the person that wants to go on a celebrity cruise, you're probably going to have higher expectations or higher needs, I guess you could say, for your hotel room and your restaurants that you visit. So then that's going to go up as well. So it's going to kind of correlate to that would be my guess. In most situations, that would be my guess. Again, there are always exceptions to these rules, right? But our bottom line is this. Cruises are generally probably less expensive for what you get. Okay, for the you get better value with cruises as a general rule compared to most land vacations. Uh, cruises are most mostly all inclusive. And to me, that makes it feel like stuff is free. I know it's not. You know, that, that comedy show is not free. The, uh, the trivia is not free. The, um, the food in the main dining room is not free. But look, if I want, I can order three main dining room main courses and four appetizers and five desserts, and they're not going to charge me any more for that. I can't do that at a restaurant. So in a sense, even though, yeah, you're paying for that technically and the cost of the cruise, you are getting uh, almost an all-you-can-eat, well, it probably is literally all-you-can-eat value. Of course, I don't order that many entrees or anything, but you could. And so because of that, when like when we went to the Keys, for example, every time we made a choice as where, where to go to eat, um, the budget thing is, is popping into my head. Well, how much money is this going to cost? How much can we afford? Um, do we want to spend this much money now? Do we want to spend it later? Whereas on a cruise, I'm just like, order what you want. It's all good because we already paid the one price and we're done. So, um, yeah, same with entertainment stuff. You know, like if we would have gone to some kind of entertainment thing, uh, I don't know what we would have done in the Keys, but um, it would have cost you're, extra you're money. skipping ahead. Am I from the cost Ta- of the trip? Yeah. You just talked about entertainment. Well, yeah, but it's listed right here. Look. Oh, feels okay. Feels free. Entertainment feels free. Got it. Free. Got That's, it. Yeah. So when we made this list, a lot of it was like kept things, points kept popping up in multiple categories. So uh, some of this stuff will be a little bit redundant, but different angles of it. Okay. So let's move on to the next topic, unless you have anything else you want to say about the cost. I don't. Of the trip. All right. No. So what's the next one? Additional costs. So for cruising, you have to think about excursions. So if you want to do something at the ports, um, drinks, souvenirs, specialty dining, um, gambling. Right. Yeah. So these are these are these are the common extra costs that we could think of that you might spend more money on on a cruise. You're at port. What are you going to do? You know, whether you book an excursion through the cruise line, through a third party vendor, whether you just make your own excursion, you're still you're paying you're paying money or you potentially are paying money. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just hanging out in the port. You're not spending any money. You're going to the free beach at the port. Are you buying drinks that cost more money? 
if you buy drinks on the ship, that costs more money. Yeah, you could get the drink package, that costs more money. Souvenirs, are you buying any souvenirs on the ship, at the port, costs more money. Are you paying for a special steak dinner, that costs more money. Are you a gambler, that could potentially cost a lot more money, or just a little bit, depending on what kind of gambler you are. Now, one thing I did note here is that I find there are less opportunities to buy souvenirs on cruises, which is good because that's one of those of those things we just mentioned. That's the one where I'm probably the most, other than excursions, where I'm probably the most likely to spend a lot of extra money is by buying bits and bobs and shirts from every location exactly. that you visit, hats and all kinds of stuff. There's there's only a limited amount of time. Sometimes I don't even have time to shop because my excursion took too long. Sometimes there's only a few stores and they have the same exact stuff that everybody else has. And I don't, I don't need that. So less opportunities for souvenirs perhaps, but, uh, but still that's an expense. Now what about land vacations? So land is you need to pay for your activities, which we almost put excursions there, but we didn't because we thought activities was a more appropriate word. Um, your drinks, your souvenirs, um, your entertainment. So like you were saying, that's something that's included in the cruise cost as far as like the cruise, but that's something that you have to pay for on a land-based cruise. And then your transportation to whatever activity you choose to do. Yeah, whether that's just paying for your gas to get to from point A to point B or whether it's taking a taxi or public transportation, that's a, that's a possible cost entertainment is a possible cost you have a lot more at least i find i have a lot more opportunity to shop when i'm on a land-based vacation i mean we spent a considerable amount of time going to dive shops and souvenir shops definitely way more than i would have done on a cruise of of equal duration Um, and then drinks you know that just depends on the person Uh, i find that most places that i find myself on vacation are the drinks are priced about the same as they are on a cruise ship. Like, I feel like that's a knock that cruise ships get that they don't deserve, like that the drinks are overpriced. Some people feel that way. Most of those people probably don't cruise because I feel like while they are not inexpensive drinks, the average cost of a drink on a cruise is probably comparable to what we pay at, like, a place like Sharky's, which is the little bar we stayed next to, or, you know, to get a beer from that brewery is... It's pretty close. It's probably similar. I do have to say, like, when we went on The Brilliance of the Seas, those drinks were, what, like, 12 to $14 until we d- realized that if you get, like, a generic drink and not one of their, like, listed menu drinks, it's cheaper that way. Right. So it it kind of depends. Yeah, I feel like on cru- most cruises I've been on, though, which admittedly are carnival yeah, I mean, I feel like the average I've paid for a drink is somewhere between eight and twelve dollars. I, I agree. Yes, and and the fancy ones are usually ten to twelve, and a regular, more common one, around eight. And I, I want to say the beer on Carnival, I can't remember, but like their their own beers, I want to say they're like around six bucks or something like that. Maybe even less. If, I don't know. It's it's a. I never feel like I'm getting like you know, reamed for drinks. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you're paying a little more, but you're on vacation. So, 
It's, I, I don't know. I feel like it's about the same. Anyway. Uh, the, the other thing that I think about drinks is I typically buy more drinks when I'm on a cruise. Oh, okay. Because I have no reason not to. Okay, that's fair. Because yeah. I'm, you know, my goal on the cruise is to relax and chill other than like the days that I'm at ports. So I don't have to think about what else I'm doing. When like on our trip to the Keys, we we're like, oh, we're diving the next day. No drinks. Right. Like we had what, two or three days that we had like one drink. If I was on a cruise, I'd have a couple drinks a day. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that, but that, that does make sense. I, I think for me... Maybe that's true for me too. I, I don't know. I um, that might be true for me too. Plus, like we went to that brewery and we got a couple of beers, and then we went to that little stand where we got the sugarcane juice. Oh, the sugarcane juice! But we we could have gotten an alcoholic beverage there, and we didn't. And the reason I didn't is one because I knew we were planning on possibly getting in the water and doing some activities, but also because I was driving. And uh, I'm not going to drink and drive. So if you're on a cruise, you don't have to worry about that. So you can be a little more relaxed about that. Uh, now, I do not drink a lot on cruises typically because I don't want to be feeling bad or anything like that. So I just like to have enough just to just to enjoy it and, and get festive with it. But, you know, I'm not going to get like drunk or anything on a cruise, but typically. But uh, but yeah, that that is a that is a good point. All right. So the, what's our bottom line here? Um, so our bottom line is cruises have plenty of food included. Drinks cost about the same depending on location and of land vac- vacation. Um, cruises have less opportunity to buy su- souvenirs unless you're jewelry shopping. Yeah, that can, that can change the game, can't it? Or gambling. Yeah. Um, so costs could go higher for those things. But typically speaking. I know there are yeah. some people that cruise out there. And look, I. I'm not trying to pick on the ladies here, but I know some of the ladies are like, I go to cruise, I go to port, I get my expensive jewelry. Yeah, Bev, I'm talking about you. No, I'm just kidding. No, but th- but that is true. And, and for men, it's not just women, actually, because our friends Mark and Kelly have spent a lot of money on watches on cruises, I'm just saying, but uh, also a lot of money on jewelry. So for people that are that are interested in that, you could spend a lot of money on jewelry because you get some good deals, I guess, as far as taxes and just cost, from what I understand. I don't know because I don't know about those things, but that's what I'm told. That's what they tell me on the hmm. cruise. Is it true? Let us know. Fantasticcruising at gmail.com. Is a cruise a good place to get good deals on jewelry and watches? Or is it just a game they're playing with you to get you to buy that stuff? You didn't ask me what I thought of that. What do you think of that? I know what you think of that. Well, how do you know if I've ever bought jewelry on a cruise? Have you ever bought jewelry on a cruise? I have. Was it was it more than $30? Um, I think it was cheap stuff, but <laughs> no, that's not, that's not true. So on my first cruise was to Cozumel and Grand Cayman. I bought a necklace at each port. Okay. Um, they were, I want to say they were like 50, $60 necklaces. So they weren't oh. anything fancy. But if you bought one at each port, that can add up. Yeah. So yeah. one, one had a turtle on it and the other one was made out of some kind of special rock thing in Grand Cayman. It was a stingray and it's like, this is a, thing that's only found here i don't know if they were just telling me that to tell me we went into that shop when we went to cayman i showed you that little shop anyways oh yeah yeah okay um yeah so they weren't 
it wasn't like the big fancy jewelry shops. So I don't actually know. I just wanted to to <laughs> to, to give you a shit for not asking me. <laughs> you just you just cussed on this podcast. I'm we sorry. Don't, we don't normally do that. I don't give you crap for and my uh, mom listens to this. You just lost points with my mom. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, uh, so depending on who you are and where you go, I mean, obviously, certain land-based vacations are you might be buying, you know, expensive jewelry and stuff, too. But uh, and then and then the other thing we have, the other note we have is the, the gambling. And obviously, I guess somebody that goes to Las Vegas or one of those places, I mean, that's that's the reason you're going. I'm assuming you're spending a lot of money. I know I hear cruisers talking about how much money they spend on gambling. And I'm like, I could buy a whole new set of scuba pro dive gear for that. But, um, but Hey, to each their own, whatever, uh, do, do you, do you, I don't have any problem with that as long as you're being responsible, but that can, that can definitely, I know you're stuck on the cruise ship and what are you going to do, but gamble until two o'clock in the morning. If you like to gamble, that could be really tempting. And maybe you're like, eh, put another $500 on my tab. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Look, I'm not criticizing anybody. I just don't get it. Like, like I know statistically you're going to lose that money. I know some people are like, well, I enjoy to gamble and, and that's fine. But there's no, I, how many activities do I do that I enjoy so much that I'm going to pay $500 for an evening of doing that? No, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> like, I, I, I. The I... off chance, the very rare chance that you're going to win. Like, this is, like, oh, one time I won $3,000. And how many thousands of dollars did you spend before that happened? Like, I think <laughs> I think on every cruise except the last one that we did, I've put like $10, $20 into right. a, a slot machine. And then that's it. I probably would have done it this time too. But that casino was so incredibly smoky. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. I Anyways, mean, that's not what we're talking about. No, and again, I'm not. I'm not judging you. If you if you love to spend hundreds of dollars on gambling, that's fine. I don't. I don't care. Um, I just. I don't. It's weird. So it's weird to me. I don't understand but I probably it. Yeah. Spend, I probably spend a lot of money on things that you'd be like, why in the world would you spend that money on that? So to, to each their own. You know, live and let live. Right. All right. Let's move on to the next step. The next uh, category. Which category. Is, which is what planning. All right. So what it takes to plan for a cruise, you have to think of the port you're leaving out of, the itineraries you want to go to, any excursions that you want to do, and then your transportation to and from the cruise and, of course, a hotel before or after. So you have to plan for those things. Right. Um, For land, you have to think of your destination, what hotel you want to go to, what activities you want to do, your food, your transportation to and from the destination, and your transportation during the vacation. So the bottom line, unless you have anything else to throw in there. No, go for it. Is cruises have less overall to plan for. But you have a little more flexibility on the land-based vacation because of the additional planning. You have more choices. Right. More choices, so more flexibility. But a lot more planning. There's a right. reason that we want to focus on doing cruises as a travel agent and not land-based vacations right away. Because there's, there's so much more to think about. So, yeah, it's just simpler. It's just, it's easy. Planning a cruise is easy, like really easy 
you just got to figure out where you want to go, where you want to leave from, and then what you want to do while you're there and how you're going to get there. And that, and, and, you know, I guess technically when you want to do it, but that's the same for both. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, if you like plant, like when we went to the keys, like we, we did a lot of research on where can we eat? uh, Where, where are we going to dive? Where are we going to snorkel? Where, what are we going to do when we're not diving and snorkeling? Uh, which hotel do we want to stay at? Is this hotel trustworthy? Is this hotel nice? Like you don't, there's a lot of, a lot more unknowns, uh, with that sort of experience. And, uh, I mean, quite frankly, our hotel to many people, I think might've been a letdown, although the location was superb, you know, when you walk in and the closet doors are falling off. You know, and you got to go outside to close the blinds. It's a lot of people that would be a big turnoff for us. We don't care. We're like, we can sleep here. It's comfortable. We're good. Uh, it's fine. It's the price is right. But for some people that would make or break a vacation possibly. So, uh, you know, we didn't know necessarily it was going to be like that when we booked that hotel. So that was kind of a, a bit of a, a bit of a surprise. It wasn't dirty or anything like that, but it was, you know. Was, Needed some updates. Yeah desperately yeah but our goal wasn't to stay at the hotel exactly so you know this is but anyway but you but we still had to plan for that right absolutely that that took a lot more effort and energy than planning for a cruise all right next up we have activities and this this really encompasses a lot of different things here because we're talking about for cruises we're talking about there's a lot included which is entertainment, which could be anything from the comedy show, the song and dance shows, the towel animal folding class, the trivia, the dance parties. Um, it could be slides. It could be swimming pools. It could be flow riders. It could be now coming up soon, roller coasters. It could be go-karts. The it could be I fly thing. The, I the, the sky the sky diving ride, yeah, the, the sky ride on the... No, and say the skydiving I fly oh, right, thing. right, right, yes. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of different things. Plus, to me, eating is an activity on a cruise that you do. I mean, by activity, I mean it's something that I look forward to, and it's not just about consuming the food, but it's about the whole experience. And, and I'm specifically speaking of, like, the MDR, which is what's included, uh, you know, eating at the buffet isn't as much of an experience as the MDR is. Uh, if you do pay for extra dining, that's also more of an experience. You know, it's that's the only time that I get that kind of service while I'm eating. So uh, I definitely consider that an activity. So these are mostly included in the cost of your cruise. On land, you have to find that entertainment. On a cruise, you just look at the whatever they call the paper that they give you every day or look on the app of the different cruise lines. Uh, you don't get that if you're going on a land-based vacation. You might find flyers at a area or something like that or, you know, but you pretty much have to do more research. This goes into the planning part, but you have to find your entertainment. You have to find your restaurants. You have to figure out how to get there. Are they going to be open, especially right now? You know, what kind of scenario you're looking at when you go there? Do you feel safe and comfortable eating there, visiting there? All these things um, are not included. So you have to search them out and then you have to do figure out how to do them and all that sort of thing. 
So what's our bottom line here? Our bottom line, cruises have less activity choices, but are often more convenient and typically included in the cruise cost. And land vacations can have more overall options, but it can get pricey. Right. So the, by the convenient factor, we mean everything is walking distance on the cruise because it's all on the ship. Everything's on. It's got to be on the ship. It can't be off the ship. Not well, except for when you're in port. But we're, you know, we're talking more about activities that in port stuff. We would count that more as as excursions, which is a different type of activity um, where when you're on a land based vacation, it may be convenient or it may be across town. And if we wanted to do something like they, we saw like some escape rooms or something, uh-huh. if, if that was on a cruise, we would have done it. We didn't do that on this because we didn't know if they were open. We didn't know what time we'd be able to do it. We didn't know how much it would cost. And then we'd have to get there. We have to get there. But at the same time, it was an option. And I don't know if that's an option on any cruises. It's not an option on most cruises. So a little more variety, but you're going to pay for that. And uh, in time and in actual currency. All right. Now, most of these categories so far have, I think, favored cruising overall. But the next one is a little bit more of a mixed bag, and that is flexibility. So what do we have for flexibility? So flexibility for cruises, we have can alter course for weather. So if there's a bad storm coming, it can the ship can usually go around it. Or even sometimes alter the ports that you're going to depending on what the situation is. Um, You typically have a structured schedule um, as far as like which day you're at sea, which days you're at port. I know it says flexibility, but I don't know why we put structured schedule. I think just to to point out the difference. Okay. It's not necessarily, that's not necessarily a benefit, although it can be, which we'll get into that in the next section, I think. But yeah, go ahead. Um, We have flexible choices with limited options. So you were talking about, I don't remember exactly what you meant when you put that. Was that like for food? Yeah, so you do have some flexibility as far as food or or activities. It could be anything. Like, do you want to go to the song and dance show or do you want to go to the magic show if they're happening at the same time or do you want to go sit by the pool and watch the ocean or, or watch the ocean. So you got some options, but there's not as many options as you have in most land-based vacations. It depends on where you go, of course, but, um, but yes, but, but you do have some options. I think that's kind of the point I was thinking. I, I didn't remember what the notes meant. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then different ports. So of course you have, the fe- flexibility to go to different islands, different ports. You're not necessarily limited to one location. Right. You you can – one of the benefits and flexibility for land vacations is you can go to different places easier. So like, for example, we stayed in Key Largo, but we went to Isla Morada. I think I said that right uh-huh. that time. And we could have even gone to Key West, you know, like we stopped in the Everglades on the way down. You have that kind of flexibility, but we couldn't like island hop to Nassau while we were, you know, like that's not an option. Whereas on a cruise, you get the flexibility of 
seeing different ports. And I know for a lot of people, that is one of the big draws for cruising, myself included, is you get a taste of these different places and they're very different or very far apart in many cases. Whereas you can, you have more flexibility to travel around on a land-based vacation, but you're not going to get to travel quite as far typically on a normal land-based vacation. So the other flexibility things with land-based is that you can choose when it starts and when it ends. Not so much on a cruise. I don't know how many times we tried to plan a cruise and we're like, well, we've got from this day to this day, you know, limited time and none of the cruises work in that time frame because they all leave on a certain day and they get back on a certain day. It's like, well, this one just leaves a day too early for us to get our vacation and this one, you know, so you don't have to worry about that. Like if we have a, a three day weekend, we can just go on a mini vacation or a four day weekend and it, it's it's not going to be as limited because we can say when we go, we can say when we come back and uh, you're not having to get someplace and wait for it to start. You know, it's, you go and it starts. You're not like, I got to stay at a hotel and my cruise is tomorrow. Once you're there, you're there. When you leave, you leave. You're not like, oh, well, I have a whole day of the cruise is over. You might, depending on how far you're driving, you might still be in that situation. But uh, you also can change scheduled activities. So on a cruise, yeah, maybe there's some bad weather. They might be able to sail around it. They might be able to slow down or speed up to to avoid it. But like in our case, we had a tropical storm coming through. We were able to move, literally move activities like snorkeling and scuba diving, mostly scuba diving, to later in the week. If we would have been on a cruise and it was windy when we were in Grand Cayman, we're just out of luck. You can't do that. So, because they can't, they can't move that around very easily. But if you're on a land-based vacation, you can really play with that quite a bit. Also, you can stay places longer. You know, you don't have to worry about getting back to the ship. So, we could be out late. We could leave as early as we want. We don't. Have, we don't have that fixed time schedule. Maybe we want to leave early. From maybe we're like this. We thought this was going to be fun, but it's not as fun. So we're going to go do something else. You have a lot more freedom as far as that goes, and that also means you can travel farther. Like I said, we could have gone to Key West. I would have been. We did go to Bahia Honda, which was what was that like an hour away from where we were. It was about an hour and a half. Hour and a half. So that's hard to do on a cruise excursion. Um, with you know, or if you do, you have no time there. If we wouldn't have been dealing with a pandemic, I would have probably said, let's go spend a day in Key West. But I don't really want to go to Key West during a pandemic. So, uh, but we we would have had that opportunity to do that if if we wanted to. And then, let's say you go someplace like Cannon Beach and John Pennycamp Park, and you're like, this is amazing. Well, if you're on a cruise, that's it. You're going to be on the ship. You're gone till the next time you cruise to that port. We went back the next day. We went back later that afternoon. Like you have these kind of options in a, in a land-based vacation. Um, and you have a lot more, like we said, you have a lot more different places you can go for food and for just things to do. And you can kind of, you know, if you're going on a land vacation, you're probably going to a destination that has things that you want to do. Hopefully that you're doing that. So that would make, you know, more sense in that, in that regard. Bottom line is land vacations have a lot more opportunities for like rescheduling activities, 
Um, you have your own transportation, so you can go where you want, when you want. You can stay longer, stay shorter. You can travel further. You're not going to get left behind by a ship. There's just more options for activities. Uh, let you choose when you start and end your vacation. And uh, a lot more options for lo locations. Uh, if you go cruising, like you can go to different ports, which are further apart. But you have a lot more places you can go on a land-based vacation. You're not limited to, you can even get to some of these Caribbean islands that cruise ships can't go to if you're thinking of it in that regard. So that, you know, that's an, another more flexible thing. Uh, but on the other hand, let me give a little bit back to cruising. Sometimes less is better. Sometimes too much flexibility is bad. I don't like going to places like Starbucks because the menu is so extensive that it's just confusing and I get stressed out and I'm just like done. So, you know, having less options, you don't have to have that conversation of where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Like sometimes less is more. We never have that never. conversation. No, yeah, we never, never have that conversation. And uh, yeah. And Reno's a cat. Um, <laughs> and yeah, cruise ships can sometimes dodge that bad weather, but you can rearrange your land vacation unless you have bad weather the whole week in either case then you might be out of luck but uh definitely land-based vacations i think have a lot more flexibility and then what's our final category comfort and stress yes so what do we got there so for cruises um you have limited driving neither of us like to drive nope. so Hate driving yeah driving is a big thing for us we don't like to drive um, so less no, limited driving. Um, there's less choices, um, which is kind of where you were talking about. Like there's less to choose from, which sometimes eliminates that stress. Right. Like uh, I'm like, oh, well, I really feel like having a hamburger. But Kimbra says she doesn't really like hamburgers, even though that's all she ever wants anymore. But anyway, it's not true. And then and I'm like, so I don't want to go. To, I don't want to suggest going to this hamburger place because I want her to get something she's happy with. And then, you know, it's just less is more sometimes. Um, of course, the open ocean view. So just sitting on a deck and watching the water is very stressless. You're on the ocean. I mean... When I've asked people, why do you cruise? That's always in the top answers is because I'm on the ocean and you're not on the ocean in a land-based cruise by default. You might go onto the ocean, but on the whole, you can't walk out of your hotel at three in the morning and go for a stroll in the middle of the ocean. You can maybe go see the ocean depending on where you're staying, but it's not the same thing. Um, my favorite thing on this list is it's paid up front. So yeah. you pay for it and then you don't have to think about the cost of anything unless you're doing extra stuff while you're on that vacation. Um, everything you need is on the ship. So the activities, the entertainment, I mean, aside from the excursions and ports and stuff, but everything else is on the ship. Um, and then, of course, the familiarity with everything because you're you're in the same place. Right. You see, you're seeing the same people, you know, at first you may not, but you'll get to know your way around the ship. You know where everything is. Uh, it's, and customer service, 
on cruise ships. I have yet to be on a cruise ship that has had bad customer service. Maybe there's been an example of it, but on the whole, every cruise I've been on has had exemplary, not just good, not just decent, not just okay, exemplary customer service. So that's a definitely makes me more relaxed. Um, and that, and it actually forces me to relax because I can't, you know, if we're in Key Largo, I'm going to, oh, I've got six hours. I'm not going to sit by the pool. No way. <laughs> I'm going somewhere to see something. Uh, but on the cruise, I, I can't do that. So it forces me to relax, which I need that sometimes. And uh, that's, and I won't do it. Even though I know that I won't do it because <laughs> I will be like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So that's a that's another comfort thing. What do we got for land? So for land, we have that you can escape motion sickness. Right. If you get motion so, sick. So yeah, if if motion sickness is an issue you have, um, yeah, you don't have to worry about that to an extent on a land based vacation, depending on what it is you're doing. Well, and if you get sick on like a little excursion trip on a land based vacation, then it's over and you're on land, so right. you're good. We're on a cruise. You're stuck. So if you got wavy waters and you get a little nauseous, you're kind of going to be in, you might be in trouble for a little bit. Um, if the flexibility, so that whole list of flexibility that we just said before is, is great for a land-based vacation because you don't have to worry about your stuff being completely ruined because you can possibly move it around. Yeah, all the flexibility of a land-based vacation can reduce your stress and right. make you more comfortable. Um, you'll most likely have a bigger room unless you book one of those crazy huge rooms on a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're doing that, then you're probably b- booking a room like that on a at a hotel. So. Yeah, I don't think anybody booking a suite on a cruise is going to be booking like the tiny, tiny room in a <laughs> unless they want it or something <laughs> like that. Yep. Um, less security checkpoints. So you don't have like the embarkation and debarkation on the cruise. You don't have to go through all that. Of course, if you're flying, you're still going through that sort of stuff, but you're going to do that anyways. Um, that's the most stressful part of a cruise. I think most people would agree with it is embarkation and disembarkation or debarkation. Which is it? Is it debarkation or disembarkation? Which is it? Which is the right one? I don't even know, but you eliminate that with a land-based vacation. Yeah, you may have to go through security at the airport if you're going to another country and stuff, but you have to do that if you're cruising too. So this is in addition to that. And uh, I feel like stress at the airport, while it is stressful, is like boom and it's over. Whereas on a cruise, sometimes it lasts a long, it depends on the port, I guess though. Sometimes that's not true. Um, and then the last thing is you won't get left behind. Nope, you're not going to get left behind. You don't have to worry about that unless you miss your flight, but that could happen either yeah, way. Yeah, but then you just rebook your flight. <laughs> right. You're not going to, yeah, you don't have to worry about you like, can't just rebook what time your is it? We, what if there's an accident on our way back to the cruise ship? What if, our, what if we get a flat tire and uh, we're in Mexico? We just went to a Mayan ruin. What do we do now? So you don't have to worry about that on a land-based vacation. So bottom line, cruises are easier to budget. That produces less stress, I think, for some people. For me, certainly. Limited amount of driving. That's a huge comfort factor for us. Uh, Forces you to relax. That's huge for me. Less options. Sometimes is less stressful. 
you're on the ocean, okay? And then land vacations, you have a bigger room, you has, have less maybe security stress to go through. And uh, yeah, you're not on the ocean, but you also don't have the motion of the ocean. So there you go. So that's all of our categories. So bottom line is this, the, the gist of it, I think our big takeaways, and there's a lot more details to this, is that cruises are more cost effective. You get a lot more bang for your buck in general on a cruise. I don't think that's news for anybody that cruises. It's news for people that maybe haven't cruised yet or don't cruise. Land trips, however, you have a ton more flexibility as to what you can do, but you're gonna pay for that in both possibly stress and actual money and uh, maybe time as well. Those are the those are the gist. Anything else you want to really highlight from from all this? Um, I think that's it. As we were going through it, like those were the key things that like really stood out as we were making our list. So, all right. So now that we've gone through all this, what does that mean? Like, are we going to cruise ever again, or are we just land based vacation, or what? What's what's your takeaway in that regard? I'll do both. I mean, cruising is still what I want to do. Um, I, I loved our trip to the Keys. It was a fantastic trip. But I still like cruising more. So if you so if you had the same amount of money, the same amount of time, and you could either cruise or do the same amount of time in like a land-based area, you're saying you're going to cruise? I'd probably still cruise, yeah. I, I mean, it depends on where where this land-based trip is, is going to because there are definitely some places that I'd love to visit that I can't do on a cruise. Yeah, I think I, think I would agree with that. Uh, the only thing that really made me second-guess my, my love of cruising, not, not my love of cruising, I love to cruise. The only thing that made me second-guess, like, my desire to cruise overland is the amount of diving that we got to do because if we go on an eight night cruise that's stopping in four locations the most dives we're going to get to do is probably most likely we're going to dive at the most three of those ports if we did dive at all four of those ports but then that would be eight dives, which is one more dive than we did on this Yeah, cruise. I was going to say you could do two tank dives. Yeah. If we went to three, so we're going to three ports on our next cruise. If we dive in all three of those locations, which we probably won't, that would be six dives, which is pretty good because we, we only did seven on this cruise. So I think six would have been enough. We're probably more likely to do two or four dives, though, to be fair. Yeah. And we can't do a night dive on a, on a cruise. Yeah. Which is kind well, of a bummer. So, so think about it like this. We probably won't dive in every location for a couple of reasons. One, because we've not been to those locations and we're curious to check out other things about them, as well as your mom will be going on that cruise with us. It's your fault, mom. No, no, no. I didn't say that. <laughs> we'll want to do stuff with her. If it was no, just right. you and me, like repeating that cruise again, we would probably dive at all three ports. Possibly. Although they're they're I think you're I think that's valid. Like not only is it because we're gonna be going with other people that we'll wanna spend time with that don't dive, but also like there are other things in those locations that are really fun 
and uh, and worth doing. So uh, it's it's actually I, I wouldn't want to dive in every on every port because I don't want to miss out on those things either. So I would love to go to Curacao or Aruba or Bonaire for a week, but we know that that cost of that is a lot higher than being able to cruise there. So can we afford to do that? You know, like my, my model I'm looking at is trying to cruise, you know, ideally twice a year, maybe three times on good years and maybe every, every other year doing like a big land vacation, if we can pull it off or doing some smaller land vacations here and there. Cause realistically we could go to the keys for four nights and we could get more dives in and that we, and because of where we live, that's our situation specifically, we could do that and we could really, you know, we could knock out those dives. Like we could go over to Jupiter and we could dive for the weekend and then come back and we could do that multiple weekends. So we're getting all those dives in without having to plan a whole vacation around getting those dives in. And then the cruise becomes more of our vacation that we get to dive on sometimes. And our dive trips are more of just shorter dive trips in general. You know, maybe we do occasionally get to do that Cozumel trip or something, or maybe we get to do a Bonaire trip where we're diving, but that's, we can't afford to do that as often. Right. So, so there you have it. That is our take. What do you guys think? What do we miss? What are we wrong about? What are we right about? What are your opinions? Send us an email, fantasticcruising at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll talk about what you have to say maybe in the next episode. But in this episode, we still have to get through one more segment. So what is the cruise creature? Cruise creature this week is one of the coolest animals that we saw on our cruise. On our cruise. Wow. On our vacation. We didn't go on a cruise. We did not go on a cruise. We were on the water a lot, though. And, uh, and that is a species of parrotfish. Now, we saw, I don't know how many species of parrotfish we saw. We saw stoplights. We saw, I believe I saw a striped or a princess. They look very similar. We saw rainbows. The red band. We saw red bands. We saw... Um, blue. Blue. Yep. And we probably saw a couple others that I'm not thinking of. But we also saw this species that we really want to focus on this week, and that is the midnight parrotfish. These are, we saw these mostly on the night dive, right? Yeah. Which makes sense, I guess. I think we saw a couple somewhere else, but definitely on yeah. the night dive. These are big parrotfish, okay? They can get up to almost three feet in size. They don't normally, but they can. So they're, they're big. That's this, a big fish. Yeah, they're big parrotfish. Now, they are beautiful parrotfish. One of the most beautiful, and look, this is like, this is like saying something because this is like saying this is a really fun cruise. Yeah, that's just cruises are fun. <laughs> parrotfish are beautiful. This is an exceptionally beautiful parrotfish. All right. This is the celebrity edge of parrotfish. They are kind of a dark blue color, but they have like a light turquoise blue uh, under their chin, around their mouth. They've got some different markings with this color. They are Look them up. Midnight parrotfish. Absolutely beautiful parrotfish. So one of the things that 
is nice about these parrotfish is it's easy to figure out what kind of parrotfish you're looking at. Because the problem with parrotfish is that they go through all these different color phases. Like they can't make up their mind. You know, they're like hippies and they're punk rock, then they're heavy metal, then they're preppy. No, not exactly. But they start <laughs> off, they're juvenile. They usually look one way, then they get a little bit bigger and they go into uh, something called their initial phase, which is when they're all girls. And then a few of them will develop into boys, which is called the terminal phase. And then, of course, there's intermediate between these phases and so you have one parrotfish it has like 17 different looks you don't know what you're looking at until you really got to pay close attention to them so it's it's tricky it's tricky but the midnight parrotfish he they don't play by these rules okay they do go from they do change from female to male in some cases but whether they are little whether they are big whether they are initial females or terminal males they all look the same it's all the same looking fish. So that is that, a consistent fish, right? That's super consistent. Now, here's what else is really cool about the parrotfish. Most parrotfish, I would say all, but I don't know if there's any exceptions to this. Their their main diet is to eat uh, algae and coral. So they're and by eating the coral, they're technically they're kind of eating algae that grows on the coral, zooxanthellae algae, but also algae that grows around the coral. Now, you may think this is a bad thing, right? Like we got to save our coral reefs and and then you're talking about parrotfish, which are eating the coral. But coral needs to be eaten sometimes. It's no different than any other species in the food web. Something got to eat it because that's the way nature works. That's the way cycles work. So the thing about parrotfish eating the coral, and they eat a lot of coral, right? They eat a whole lot of coral. But when they're doing this and they're eating that algae as well, what's happening is they are they're doing two really important things. One, they're clearing the the space on the surface of wherever they're chewing by getting rid of this extra algae. They're actually creating places for new coral to hold on and to grow. And because of that, it's it's increasing the genetic diversity because you got new animals that are that are coming in and reproducing and that is important because that makes them more resilient to things like climate change and pollution so coral reefs are in dire straits all around the world and one of the worst coral reef systems as far as health in the world is our very own florida keys so come on america you can do better now Coral, the coral needs these parrotfish to do that. But not only are they helping the coral to grow by doing this, they're also getting little bits of the limestone skeleton every time that they are eating this coral and this algae. And they're getting the nutrients from the algae and the coral, and then they're pooping out the limestone. And when they poop that limestone out, you get beautiful white sand. So every time you have ever gone to a beach in the Caribbean, many of the beaches in Florida, and you have run your little tootsies through that beautiful sugar white sand, just know that a good portion of it is parrotfish poop. I <laughs> like that. This is a crappy beach. Yeah, isn't it beautiful? So here, here's a fun statistic. In a year, one large parrotfish can produce 1,000 pounds of sand. The weight of a baby grand piano. That's from 
ocean.si.edu. So that's a lot of sand. That's per parrotfish in a year. There are millions of parrotfish in a year. So next time you go to the beach, you could thank that parrotfish for all that beautiful sand when you build your sandcastle, which you should flatten for the sea turtles when you're done, okay? Flatten it, fill in the holes. That's another episode. Anyway, here's another cool thing about this particular species of parrotfish. They are kind of vulnerable to predators. I mean, I guess they taste good too. So how do they protect themselves? Well, one of the ways they protect themselves is they make friends and they blend in with specifically with schools of blue tang. So blue tang, very super common fish. I see them everywhere I go in Florida, in the Caribbean, in the Florida Keys, I should say, the Caribbean. And you see big schools of them and they are blue as the name would imply. They can be different shades of blue, but typically they're kind of a, a bright blue, kind of darker bright blue. Okay, not a pale white blue, although sometimes they are very pale, almost white. We're, we're not talking about like the dory blue tang. No, that's in the Pacific. Right. I want to specify that because like I didn't know that. Nobody's, until... nobody's finding dory or Nemo anywhere in the Caribbean. No. There's no clownfish in the Caribbean. There's no regal tangs. They're usually called regal tangs in the Caribbean. But we they're, they sort of have the shape of a dory a little bit, but they're all blue. They have they have a little bit of white on the side of their peduncle, which is that space between their tail fin, their caudal fin, and their body. But anyway, the midnight parrot will hang out with these schools, and they'll blend in. So you see one or two of them blending in, and the dark color blue blends in really well with the parrots, and then the light blue blends in with the kind of light water behind it. And why do they do this? Because those little blue tangs have little spines on them. So by being in that school, they're getting a little bit of protection. They look like maybe they're bigger, safety in numbers, and they have a bunch of spines. So if you try and eat them, you might get stuck and that. Nobody wants that, right? Nobody likes that. So they get protection by hanging out with these blue tangs. And then they're able to, to munch away on the, on the algae and stuff. The blue tangs are eating the same stuff. So, you know, it's all good. But there you have it. The midnight parrotfish what an amazing species of parrot. Beautiful fish. I'm telling you, look these guys up. Google them. Midnight parrotfish. And check them out. They are really, really cool. Yeah. What about what about the nighttime thing when they sleep? We didn't talk about that at all. No, we didn't. We should talk about that. Yeah. So, so fish, most bony fish have a slime coating, which, which you, is why you shouldn't generally touch bony fish because it... It, it actually protects them from disease and things like that. So if you touch it, you wear it off, and it, it, it makes them vulnerable to, uh, to problems. Well, the parrotfish goes one step further. At night, to protect themselves uh, from being detected as well as maybe tasting good, a lot of parrotfish species, the midnight parrotfish included, this is why we saw so many of them at night, because they were hunkering down in the, the wreck that we were diving on. They will hunker down, and then they create a bubble of mucus. So they're like in their own snot bubble. And this bubble, which we didn't actually, I don't think we were there late enough to see the bubbles. Yeah, we didn't just, see it. They were just getting tucked in. You know, they were still reading bedtime stories and stuff like that. They're having their last Looking under the bed. little nightcap drink. Yeah. But if we come there later, uh, they make this bubble, this snot bubble, and uh, that protects them from while they sleep. So yes, if you're wondering, do fish sleep? Yes, they do. Some of them, like the parrotfish, can actually stop 
swimming and do that. Others have to swim their whole life. They just kind of go into more of a uh, less active state, you know, kind of like dolphins, which are not fish, will shut off half their brain and they'll go into autopilot. Well, fish kind of, it's not quite the same thing, but similar where they're just very inactive. So, yeah. Cool. Anything else about the parrots we forgot? No, I mean, I, I'm still learning them all. They call them parrotfish, by the way, I think because of the bright colors that they come in, but also that beak. They have like a, a beak-type mouth, which allows them to scrape the coral off the rocks. Yeah, they so. kind of look like parrot mouths. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Cool. I don't think I have anything else. Do you? No, that's all the parrotfish knowledge I can muster up at the moment. So I guess that's going to take us towards the end of this episode. Okay. Well, on that note... It's time to head for the horizon, and until next time, seize the day. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Make sure to watch those videos. Well, thank you for hanging out till the end of the end after the end of the end. The very end. That just sounds like 2020 in a nutshell. (laughs) Anyway, we are moving right through 2020. It's almost October. It's the ninth month of the year now, and we're approaching the 10th month. And you know what that means? My birthday. Your birthday. And also Inktober. If you're new to this podcast or new to me, then you may not know this, but every October, I try and follow along with Inktober, which is a thing where artists draw, make ink drawings every day of the month based on, usually on prompts by Jake Parker. But I, last year, we made our own prompts, like cruising prompts. Now this year, I'm going to wimp out a little bit uh, because that was a lot. And I got a lot of other things going on. So instead of doing one drawing a day, I think we might try and do one drawing a week. That'll be our goal. Now we may do more than that, but that'll be our goal. I'm also hoping to get more participation this year. We had some people participate out of the gate, but by week two, we were down to pretty much nobody. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I'll put this on the Fantastic Cruising Community We'll have you guys try and help me come up with some prompts this year for cruise-related stuff to draw. So prompts could be any word, cruise-related. I will look for a post on the Fantastic Cruising community over on Facebook for that coming to you real soon. And I might even get through more than a week. Hopefully, because that would only be one drawing. Right. <laughs>